You are about to listen to Richard Turning's Leicester Square Theatre podcast with my guest this week, Alexi Sale. How exciting is that? Quite exciting, I think you will agree. It is free, but there are lots of ways for you to contribute if you want to, uh, to help us keep this going and to come up with even more comedy ideas. We don't want the money for ourselves, we want it to make new stuff. So why don't you go to www.gofasterstripe.com, R-H-L-S-T-P-5, where you can buy uh, downloads, video downloads or audio downloads of this entire series for various amounts of money. You can also choose to make a one-off donation in return for a badge from a pound upwards, or a monthly donation would be fantastic if you're prepared to give us just a pound a month. If everyone who listened to this did this, we could create a media empire that would take down Rupert Murdoch and make kebabs out of his liver. Uh, and that is a promise. If 150,000 people do that, we will make that happen. Uh, but even if a few of you could do that, that would mean we can make... Things like a video version of As It Occurs To Me. You'd like to see that, wouldn't you? We can't do that without your input. You are the commissioning editors. Your money, your pound a month could make all the difference. Or come and see me on tour. Check out richardherring.com and you can see my upcoming tour dates. You can buy um, mugs and uh, T-shirts and uh, hoodies at richardherring.cartandcart.com as well. Okay, here's the show. You've had enough of an advert. I will never mention this again, I promise. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man with an infected finger. It's Richard Herring. That's, that's my infected finger. I'm not, not being rude. Uh, so, hello, welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast, or as all the cool kids are calling it, Rahel Estepur. <laughs> Whoa, God, there's lots of you, that's good. Uh, yeah, I've, 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 so I've been quite uh, healthy this year and keep, been keeping quite fit, but like this weekend I've been stricken down with various ailments. Welcome to me, I'm just, I'm getting old now, so I'm just talking about the things that are going wrong. There's some people arriving late, let's just show them for the people. So the people at home can, so there they are, they were late. They couldn't be bothered to turn up on time, like everyone, everyone nearly everyone else turned up on time. Uh, so uh, yeah, and I got, I, I got like an infected finger. I'll just show the people at home there. That's it. Yeah, good. Uh, but then, it's been really, really hurting for a few days, but on the tube on the way here, I, I realised I could squeeze it and get all the poison out. <laughs> so I'm going to... I'll see if I can get any more out. It's going to be... Could you hold that? Yeah, it's weeping slightly. Do you get that, David? Yeah. Good. There we go. Uh, so that... I'd forgotten all the fun of that. that is, do you remember that when you were kids? I, I, things don't really get infected so much. <laughs> these days, certainly since I got married. So, um... Perhaps <laughs> squeezed the odd bit of pus out of there. Uh, but talking... To <laughs> talking... It's always good fun. Uh, I once had a biopsy on the end of my penis. I had a stitch put on the end of my penis once. It was fantastic. Uh, that's, for another, that's for another day. Uh, the, uh, the Britcom Confessions has been... Uh, has started giving some back. I was, my guest last time was uh, Robert Llewellyn, and there wasn't very much on there for him, but one has arrived for him, and I don't think, because obviously he hasn't been on the show yet, so it, I don't think this is one that's been set up by someone, so I just thought I'd read this one. This is, a, this is a, if you don't know, this is a site on the internet where people can
confess their, their, what they want to do to various comedy figures, including, well, nearly everyone you could imagine, and, and, but also people like Stufa, uh, and when I say people like Stufa. Uh, so uh, this is one of Robert Llewellyn's. I would like to get so turned, I would get so turned on by Robert Llewellyn fucking me hard, making me wear the Crichton mask. <laughs> and then shouting at, uh, shouting at me about my faulty socket, which is, I don't know if this is a man or a woman, but they're basically saying their vagina or anus or both don't work properly, and that's why he'd be fucking me, going, why, what's wrong with your socket? Why is it not working properly? So that's quite, and the fact they want, then they'll be wearing the Crichton mask. That's properly perverted. Uh, but there are a few new ones for me, and I don't think we can trust these, because I think these are people, fans who are aware that I will probably read them out. That's what that's <laughs> that's what they're going for. There's two or three have arrived in the last kind of couple of weeks. Uh, this one is quite interesting. I wish Richard Herring would fuck me right in the middle of a golf course. Um, I don't know if how precise they are about that. Whether we would have to part of the experience would be working out where the middle of the golf course was. No, we can't do it here. This is not the actual. Let's get the surveying equipment out again. Uh, I'm up for that. I'm, do you mind if I do that, Katie? My wife's in. Can I? Fuck yeah! I've got a thumbs up from my wife. As long as it's right in the middle of the golf course. If you come and catch me, like on on the green of, of number two, I don't really know about what golf is. Uh, that is in the middle, is it? Rich by definition, number two. There are 18 holes. 19 if you include the bar. Hey, the butlers are in. Uh, so um, they love a drink. Uh, I dream about Richard Herring using his tiny hands to take off all my clothes, <laughs> then touch me with them. I do have quite small hands. I do discuss that. So that is a fan of mine. I suppose. I suppose anyone who wants me to fuck them would be. A fan of mine would hope. I suppose if you're, if you're a real pervert, you'd want to have sex with a comedian you didn't like. Which is why I want to have sex with Paddy McGuinness. Um, so <laughs> let them let my anus see your cock. That's what he would say. <laughs> I. Uh, it's basically what he says every week. That is, that is it. That's that show in a nutshell. Uh, I. Uh, <laughs> I would, uh, and then another one, I'd like to melt a big bar of Cadbury dairy milk all over Richard Herring, then leave him to clean it up himself. <laughs> Which is quite, I would quite like that. Though I am, I am on a diet, so I couldn't, I don't know, I'd just have to, it would be awful, because I'd just have to wipe it off with a sponge, and I wouldn't be able to, I'd, oh, I'd like to lick that sponge with the mixture of Cadbury's dairy milk and my own bodily hair, and there'd be pus in there, there'd be a little bit of pus. Uh, so look, let's crack on, we've got a fantastic first guest, so let's not waste any more time. He does not feature in uh, Brit Comedy Confessions, I, I, which is a shame, I know he should do, but I think it's, uh, I think the, it seems that the, uh, it's more, uh, younger comedians tend to, under, under 50 uh, comedians tend to face in there. Anyway, my guest, you will probably know him as Back Back from the TV series Arabian Nights, that is what he's best. <laughs> That's what most of you have come to see him for tonight. Will you please welcome the incredible Alexi Sayo, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Sit down. Pick up a mic and, and use it in your face. There we go, that's lovely. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. Good, lovely to see you. You've been a little bit of a cold as well. We've yeah. both been a bit under the yeah. weather. But it's all right, we can take, we can chill out and relax. We don't have to go. 
don't have to be entertained. We don't have to be entertained. <laughs> it's fine. So we'll get this out of the way because this is what you must be asked in all your interviews. How was it being back, back well, in the um, Arabian Nights? It the, was a TV series. It was just an acting job I did. It was um, back, back. It was the in the Arabian Nights was the the Emir's favourite. Um, storytelling. He was a dwarf, oh, right? Uh, and so most. And uh, I can't what was the story now. He um, he has dinner with a merchant, and he chokes to death. Right. And then for the rest of I can't remember how the the rest of the um, the story is them cat trying to get rid of his body. Right. So basically, all of me was played by a rubber. They made a rubber version of me, like a a small midget version of me. <laughs> in rubber which yeah. I call little Alexi so all I did was go to this dinner party eat like a peanut and collapse and then the rest of the film was was uh, the rest of the episode was, wasn't was me it was this rubber um, yeah. midget, uh, dwarf being carried around but I showed a photograph uh, of um, me and little Alexi to my mother and she got us mixed up <laughs> she said that's you and I said fuck off that's the fucking <laughs> That's a rubber dwarf that looks like me. She said, no, 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 that's you. She would know if anyone would know her well, own you'd son. Think, you'd think that, but she didn't. She, <laughs> she mistook me for a rubber dwarf. So that's quite a good job, basically. You didn't accept, presumably, did you have to, be, did you have to get your body covered in... Yeah, they had to you know, be covered yeah, in rubber and all that. But, yeah, it was, you know, it was so... Yeah, it was so, yeah, I mean, it was... You know, to have yourself played by a, you know, <laughs> something made out of rubber. Was, yeah. uh, you know. Well, we had Robert yeah. Llewellyn on last week. That's pretty much his career. So, um, <laughs> so I was, I, I was, I was reading up about you because we have talked before. So I wanted to try yes. and talk about different things than before. Um, I, I, firstly, you were expelled from school, which I don't think we talked about before. I don't, and I wondered what reason you were expelled from sixth form. Is that right? Uh, yeah, halfway through the sixth form. Um, well, just for being a terrible troublemaker, really. I mean, they were quite... I think... Um, there's nothing really funny in this story. <laughs> it doesn't have to be it's funny. Just, it's just that it's Did just you do a, something really horrific? I no, killed, no, no, I just killed a, a teacher. I said, you can't say anymore. I hit a teacher. Did that you? was one of the things. Yeah, I hit <laughs> a teacher. And he was, funnily enough, he was in the Communist Party. He was, uh, like, my parents called Mr. Ab Mr. Abrams. Right. And he hated me. He hated me all through the school, really, when he should have been looking out for me, because, you know being the child of communists, but he always hated me. Yeah, the communists, though, they kind of hate, it's like Trotsky and Stalin, yeah, they, were both, that, they didn't yeah, like each other, did they? Yeah, At least you can get an ice pick. True. Um, and anyway, he pushed me in the tuck shop queue. Right. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you see my protestations about going to a rough work in my school. <laughs> Somewhat wider the mark. He pushed me in the tuck shop queue, and so I hit him, and then so I had to go. And then, but there was other stuff. I think my favourite, the art teacher was leaving and was going to Quarry Bank, you know, where John Lennon that went. And uh, I, uh, so I wanted to go with him, which I don't think he was that keen on. Be a bit weird, kind of like you know, you want to get pupils turn up. So they said no, I couldn't go to Quarry Bank, but also I couldn't come back to my school either. <laughs> 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 kind of, it's like you know, like that uh, Tom Hanks film where he's stuck in the terminus, yeah. really, I'm stuck in a kind of educational limbo, stuck between all the Liverpool schools, just not yeah, being able to yeah. go out of that triangle, standing outside all of them. Yeah, <laughs> but you went to Chelsea College of Art and Design. I did, yeah. and but you didn't stay in the halls. So that was the mistake oh, you made. Oh yeah, well that's. Um, yeah, no, I um, 
I, I, which was a mistake, it was a terrible mistake. I, I had this friend called Wasim Abdullah, who was a Palestinian electronics engineer, and he, um, he had a flat in London in Queensgate in South, in South Kensington, which was just a nice. base. I thought, well, it seemed nice, it wasn't. It was just a basement with an outside toilet. And uh, his, he, like, he, was on, in the, he had the bed with like one or sometimes two girlfriends, and every bit of the floor around was like different Arabs. Apart from me, there was like down one side. And um, the thing that Wasim did as well, that he built his own um, uh, a digital alarm clock, which was really advanced for like 1971, which was no good as a clock, but it was brilliant at killing mice. Because <laughs> there was like these vibrations it gave off, and the mice would kind of come out and, and then they'd touch it, and because it, it, was, it was very badly made as well, it would electrocute them. So there'd be this pile of corpses in the morning. And no one cleaned them up because you're all students. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah you were not scared horrible. about sleeping in a room with a sort of radioactive exploding alarm clock? Um, no, it wasn't it radioactive, it was just, you had to want, you, well, yeah, if you touched it, you'd get a terrible shock. And did he, he, he woke himself up by wired up a... He had, a, he had a, a car headlight on a tube, <laughs> a cardboard tube that was like hung over his face. <laughs> and then there was a... Um, uh, a record player with the Maoist peeking off with the East is Red on it and the alarm clock would set this is a typical electronics engineer really. this, it would set off anytime between like 6am and 9.15 it would go off and the light would shine in his face and then this peeking opera would start with like and he'd, he'd wake up and then go to work <laughs> <laughs> Did it? It presumably woke you up as well, though. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> rigging something like that. Though didn't someone do something like that? And they, uh, can't, can't, someone had something like a boulder that fell onto something, but then it fell on him. Well, I can't remember it. Never mind. Uh, I'll, I'll edit me saying it properly in at the end, and it'll look amazing. Everyone, and then I'll edit a laughing, and it'll, it'll just, ah, they'll cut to you really laughing at something else. Brilliant. It wasn't terrible like you thought. And uh, the thing, um, uh, the, the, well, the thing I'm interested in, because obviously you know all about this, the comedy store, and you've been the first MC of the comedy store. But you generally just answered an advert in the was it in the private eye or, or yeah, my wife Linda saw an advert. Yeah, uh, yeah. And just went along, and you became so you you became the MC in the comedy store just by turning up and. Saying you could do it, you're not. You, uh, you... Well, no, I auditioned, and I was well. I was the first person who wasn't sort of mentally ill, really, that they'd seen. So, <laughs> but I mean, they were. I mean, they were. I mean, the the, the you know the com the comedy boom would have happened, you know, somewhere in Britain anyway, but not in that place because, you know, I mean, they were very fortunate, I think, to have me because I had a, I did have a, a pretty rare skill set then, one that I was doing alternative comedy before it existed so, right. you know I'd been doing it more or less by myself you know well I had like a partner you know but we've been just touring in this complete vacuum doing this material which we assumed uh, you know it was like about drugs and politics and stuff yeah. which we assumed there was an audience for but we didn't really know that there was but also I had you know I also had this um, tremendous authority you know that I was that I uh, could, you know, because it was such a wild kind of place in the early days, the comedy store, and I was, you know, probably, you know, one of the few people that could have really imposed, yeah, uh, you know, kept that audience in line, really. Set on the opening night and for the first few months, I did just had this kind of, you know, very, I mean, aggressive 
comic persona anyway, but just I was very, you know, I was very good at, at, yeah. at, at kind of maintaining a kind of chaos that never quite, you know, you know just always, always teetered on the edge of, of chaos, you know, yeah. but never tipped over. But I was also, and I was also, I think, which was a very, I was, I was very, and all this just came intuitively, I was very honest that I would give an act a, a good build-up but then, when they, if they failed, which they generally did, I was absolutely horrible about them. <laughs> I mean, really vile, and that was. I mean, in, in retrospect, that was horribly. I mean, it's cruel, you know. It's. But on the other hand, I think it, in that place at that time, it worked really well, you know, yeah. just to to just be shitty about people. And better than the other way around, which sometimes some MCs do. do well, you get, start yeah. off by making yeah, I don't know who this guy is. He might be shit, you know. And right. if, you, if you start like that, then that's a lot un, more unfair. I think if someone's died. You sort of have. Oh to, yeah, you got to give them a build up. Yeah, yeah but then but afterwards, <laughs> you have you know, to just really lay into them. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> So yeah, they were very fortunate. I think that, that I, you know, but that I mean, I suppose that's one of the magical things about, you know, artistic movements that you know the right people do do just appear, really. You know? Yeah. Well, if you hadn't, then it wouldn't be. We wouldn't be talking about it. No. Certainly, no, you and I would be. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but it's but like the world is ready. People are going. Oh, I'd I'd like, I'd like to see some paintings with. You know, that, like people are sideways and they got three eyes. And then this guy comes and goes, Hi, I'm Pablo Picasso. I like to paint women sideways with three eyes. <laughs> this is fortuitous. It's what, they, what they call a gestalt. Yeah. Well, there was, a, I mean, it obviously was this time where, the, where there was a, a time for a change within the entertainment yeah, industry, yeah, which maybe yeah. we're at again, but uh, in some ways. But, uh, but it was, it was. I think, like a lot of the young people, won't remember the comedy of the nineteen seventies, and even the stuff on TV was, was so offensive and yeah, racist absolutely. and sexist and homophobic. Yeah. And so I think there would have to be a kind of reaction to it. Well, it's good there was. Yeah, yeah, and people. There was a different audience out there that wasn't being served. You know, you're getting this kind of your first generation of people who've been to university and were, you know, were left wing, but also very consumerist. You know, and they were. They were very keen to, to, to have their lifestyle kind of celebrated and mocked, I suppose, really. So, you know, it was, uh, they, weren't be, you know they weren't going to be served by... You know, well, nobody, nobody will know these names, really, will they? But, you know, Colin Crompton of the <laughs> Wheel Tappers and Shunters uh, Social Club wouldn't be doing stuff about, you know, mocking people's habitat furniture, you know, they would, you know or, or, or the, you know, the fissiparious nature of left-wing uh, political groups, you know. Les Dawson was never going to be doing shit like that. You, know? <laughs> you never know, he might, he might have come round to, he might have come yes, round yes, to. Yes. But it was, I mean, I, I can imagine you were a very intimidating figure, because I've, you know, seen pictures of you as a, a younger man, I mean, you're quite a... Yeah, well, I, I just, yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, I'm not in real life, you know, but... That, that you know there was something I never really analysed it but there was just the comic persona that had emerged you know in the couple of years I'd been doing sort of stand up was very aggressive and that was what I was interested in as a performer was aggression you know winding the audience up yeah. um, and that was just a perfect you know I mean stuff that I'm completely uninterested in now but that was uh, you know that just worked fantastically well and you know in a club that started at midnight you know, it was cheap to get in, and 
Yeah, yeah and yeah, did it go on all night? Because I saw you were talking about you would say I would put people on at four four a.m. if you didn't <laughs> like. They got beat the hips. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they finished about four a.m. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> did people stay? Was that just was it just a weekend thing? Or was, or was that only, a week? I think it was only. A, I think it was basically only a Saturday yeah. night in the end. Um, I probably finished. It must have finished. Yeah, it must have finished about four sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> incredible. And it was quite dangerous. You talk about you were talking about um, Keith Allen, who you know I am a big fan of, uh, throwing throwing darts into the audience. Yeah, was that about, a regular occurrence or was that a one-off? No, well he was. <laughs> no, he says it, I thought it was a Goldsmiths College. He says it was at the Royal College of Art. Right, but he did. Um, he did. Uh, the, 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 my favourite one. Of, I mean, he was. I mean, he was. I mean, he was, he was, he was. I mean, the thing about Keith was he was again. He was very. Um, he wasn't. The problem with him. He was very. You know, he was again very aggressive, very inventive. Never did the same thing twice. But it was ne- it, often. It wasn't that funny. Which was, <laughs> <laughs> that was the only. I mean, that's not a criticism. <laughs> when you were walking out with a dart in your head, going, "Well, I, yeah, I enjoyed most was, of his act, but I thought the darts." The dart throwing was too fun. Well, it was an extraordinary. You know, you'd never seen nothing like that before. And again, he he had that sense of genuine sense of threat. You know, genuine, um, you know, sense of somebody who was kind of deranged. You know, yeah. could go one way. Well, you know, when he, I mean, he was he's physically very. De- I mean, the, the, I mean, again, it's like Arabian Nights. We did a show together at the um, Albany Empire in Deptford, and I it was like Sherazade because I had to think of a different story every night to stop him getting his cock out <laughs> on stage like Nate I say oh there's a party of nuns in tonight you know fair enough you know and there's, there's little kids oh I'm being mums in tonight and then finally one night I just ran out of <laughs> stories and I said oh fuck it on you go and he's one of those he just I mean he's one of those people there was a lot of them I don't know if they're still who <coughs> a lot of performers who like nothing more than getting taking all their clothes off. Yeah. I mean, Keith was one, Terry Jones, uh, Tony Robinson's lover, Simon yeah. Callow. I think it's a kind of a, <laughs> a subset of, of performers who love uh, getting naked. And uh, you know, finally, I ran out of, of, of reasons to stop him, and there he was. <laughs> Start bollock naked performing, you know. He does do it a lot. I mean, you say he never does the same thing twice, but he does get take his cock, his cock out, out yeah, an yeah. awful lot. <laughs> With the That's pretty much every story. Yeah, yeah. Who <laughs> yeah. wants to see my cock? Uh, it's, it's where that whole story came from originally. Um, so, uh, and, what, and one of the first things I heard you in, and I guess, was this: you were in the Secret Policeman's Other Ball, which is an Amnesty International benefit that yeah. I listened to on a. A little cassette tape that I, you know you could buy cassettes in those days yeah. or something like that, yeah. and that was you. So you were in amongst because it was quite that was again quite a lot of the Oxbridge comedians, yeah. And the, yeah. the various uh, Peter Cook and the yeah. John Fortune and those kind of people and yeah. John Cleese. Yeah, it was uh, well, it was sort of I, uh, yeah, it was an odd. I mean, it was an odd experience. I mean, I, because I was I was like massive in London. I mean, the comedy store, and then I think it was at the comic strip at that point, was massive in London, but n- not really. N- well, we didn't, you didn't know whether you were known outside London, really. But, and so, well, it was my ex manager, my manager, who was producing it. But I think also they wanted to have who was obviously at, at the cutting edge of um, comedy, and so they asked me to be in the 1981. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't. Um, I mean, Cleese, Cleese didn't like me much. <laughs> his wife, you know, he's, he's, he's married like 17 different um, American blonde psychoanalysts. And, um, 
This was like number eight. She hated me. But I can't. I, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I was, I, it's funny because I'm working on volume two of my memoir at the moment now, but I had, I remember having a big row with um, Jasper Carrot about, because we both had a gag. We both had a gag that finished with the punchline, Guildford. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, I want to say Guildford. And I said, well, I want to say Guildford. So finally I said, uh, who's on first? He said, you I said, well, fuck you then. <laughs> I said Guildford. <laughs> it fucking killed. <laughs> he changed this to Hatfield and it fucking died on its yeah, own. That's no, that's no good. Because we both knew that Guildford was the only... The only possible, you know. He couldn't do anything, you know, it's just one of them things where you know, it's one of them things where you know the, yeah. the only thing you can say is, Guildford! Yeah. Hatfield, it's, the, it's completely yeah, wrong. Yeah, he, he went, Hatfield! <laughs> <laughs> he was but, all right about it. He was, he was the least nice bloke. You know. But I bet in his heart as well, if you know in your heart it's not as funny, it doesn't work as well, that's the problem. sell it, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. So you know it's going to yeah. come up, that's, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, and also, like one of my other guests and myself, although mine is slightly less high profile than yours, you've played Trinculo in The Tempest. I may, I may have talked. As has Russell Brand, who you were in a Jonathan Miller. Yeah. Was it a stage production or a film? The it was the old Vic. Yeah. It was Max von Sydow was Prospero. Right. And wow. uh, Rudy Davis, who was um, one of Bella Bramage's daughters, was. Uh, Miranda and the, all the islanders were uh, black. So Cyril Unry was Ariel and um, uh, Rudy Davis was uh, was uh, Caliban. I did it at the King's of Wessex uh, School Hall. Uh, <laughs> Steve Cheek was Caliban. John John Butler was uh, Stefano. Yeah, no, no one. <laughs> Steve Cheek works as uh, he was actually was he was in uh, God and Jesus with. Do you remember when Simon Munnery? I mean, you may, might might not have been around and then. In, in Edinburgh, but Simon Munnery and him used to do a double act called God and Jesus, <laughs> uh, which I think they were meant to be God and Jesus. Uh, can you still remember any of the Trinculo speeches? Uh, no, I did have a I did think for a while that I would only go to productions of The Tempest uh, and then leave after Trinculo had been on. <laughs> uh, no, I can't remember a thing now. I, had put, I put in an extra line, which was bastards. Right. <laughs> I'd say, you know, bastards. And Jonathan Miller was very keen on me, you know, doing that, so. Yeah, yeah. and what was, it, what was he like to work with? I saw him in the street a couple, it's kind of astonishing to see him still yeah. going in. Yeah, he was very much at the height of his fame, yeah. so. And it was the sort of thing people did, so some, Sometimes you'd say, you know, coming for rehearsals in the afternoon, you'd say, where's Jonathan? He'd say, he's gone to Boston <laughs> to, like, direct an opera and he'll be back tomorrow. Right. <laughs> so, he was all right. He didn't, you know, he th he, again, he didn't, we didn't, we didn't really hit it off, you know. <laughs> Max von Sydow sent me Christmas cards for years <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Just like, he's getting, you know, getting, he's not, he wasn't death, was he? He, was, uh, he played uh, chess with death in the That's uh, right. Ingmar Bergman <laughs> yeah. film. But, yeah. So Max von Sydow sent me a Christmas card for years after that production. <laughs> um, and you, oh, I, oh, this is interesting. Now, you've, I've won a Sony Award, and you won a Sony Award in 1979. But in 1979, they were called the Pi Awards. The Pi Radio Awards, was it yeah. The Pedophile Information Exchange Award. It was back in the, back in the 70s, yeah. it was all right. No one... They could sponsor Radio Awards. We're going, ah, let the pedophiles have a... Let them have an award, it's all right. 
What, did you? What's, it won't be when this goes out. Uh, did you? Did you? What did you? Did they do gold, silver, and bronze then, or was it just you won? You I think it? I just won it. Yeah. 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 For uh, Alexi yeah. Sale and the Fish, fish people. people. Yeah, it was a thing I did for Capital Radio. Um, I, I, again, can't remember much about it really, but um, I won two. Um, I won two awards that year, and in both, the chairman of the judging panel in his speech began it by saying. It's been a very poor year. <laughs> <laughs> I see that someone on this list did not even go to Oxbridge. That is how... <coughs> well, that, that, was how a, that was a fucking <laughs> subtext. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fucking, yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> it's at Catherine's College, Oxford. Uh, so, um... <laughs> I'll ask you an emergency question, not that we need it, but we'll, just to change the tone. Uh, would you rather have a tit that dispensed talcum powder a or, tit. yeah, like a breast, like yeah. a, a nipple? Yeah. It'll be a nipple with a breast behind it full of talcum powder. That uh, any as much as you wanted, an infinite amount of talcum powder. You could, yeah. You'd never have to buy talcum powder yeah. again. Yeah. Uh, even, which is probably true, even if you didn't have the. Ta- <laughs> or a finger that could travel through time, but just your just your finger. But you can you can send it anywhere in time and space, and you'd be able to see where it was, and you could you know do uh, a small amount of stuff with it. No contest. I mean, because I've got I've got a tin of talcum powder. Tin of talcum powder. <laughs> you got a tin or a tit? A tin. Yeah, I got a tin. But it's metal. It's so old. Yeah. It's got like an offer on it for like uh, a horse whip or something. You know, <laughs> spats. It really is. I sometimes look at it because I think this is really old. This. One of the things I really like is finding stuff that's really past its sell by date. Yeah. You're like finding a tin of kind of. Borlotti beans from like <laughs> sa- like, a, like from Safeways yeah. <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore it gives me a tremendous sense of pleasure that I don't know why you know and then to eat them as well. I mean, you know, yeah not just to you know just I mean, my, but I love so I love I love well out of date yeah. stuff for, for itself but no obviously a finger that's what, would you, what would you do what would you use your finger for in time uh, if you well, could I'd go like anywhere in time See stuff, you know. Yeah, but you, you'd be able to see it with just through the hole. You wouldn't be able to. It would just be your finger it's going. Something though, your isn't finger, it? Really? It's something for your yeah, finger to be there. See, you know, you could do stuff. They make. I mean, I don't time. see how. Does it make a hole and then you pull it out and then the the kind of gap remains well, no, you, for a bit? Well, or? no, I think it would. Um, that would be ridiculous. I think it would. <laughs> I think it would, it would close quite quickly. So you could go and you could look through and see. So you wouldn't just be poking around and not know where so it's you going. Like You'd be able to see around and then just Around go, your finger. Okay, I'm going to poke Julius Caesar in the bum or something. Or go, oi, watch out. Look behind you. You could yeah. shout through and they might, you might get a little bit of it's a tinny. Watch out, Julius Caesar. <laughs> yeah, they're going to stab you. Yeah, might that'd be a, fantastic. Yeah, it'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, that'd be brilliant. Yeah. What if... <laughs> That's not. If, I mean, I think you've got to have to rethink that question. Why? It's <laughs> good, good. Well, there's some too much of a disparity between. That's what I like about it. I really. Two people. Because the one you asked me in the dressing room, which yeah. was was a, a hand of ham, or what was the other? Oh, yeah, some some cream armpit. Yeah. Well, they're, they're pretty. So there's a there's yeah, a parity there. But, but sometimes like it's freaking, interesting to see. A, a, t- a tit, you know, which is feasible, a tit that dispenses talcum powder. 
<coughs> it's a possibility, it but, is. A, but a finger that, you know, is, is, we're stepping well outside the laws of time. It's physics, well, aren't now we, Well, because really? there are wormholes in space, so there could be, you could find a wormhole and you, get, and that would, you could get your finger through it. Okay, All right, try this. talking to Robin Ince. Try this one. <laughs> if, you, if your penis could travel in time... In a, through a similar wormhole, yeah. which, who would you have sex with? In the past or the future, it could be. Or just... That is, that's just like would... a glory hole. This yeah. is like a... <laughs> it is. It's a, temp, a time-travelling glory <laughs> it hole. It is. Yeah. Now, I think there would have to be some system where you could communicate with the... Because I don't, I don't want you to... I don't have the idea of Alexi Sale putting his cock through a wormhole and, you know, Catherine of Aragon's there and you go, hey, get into that. I think Catherine... I, I bet Catherine of Aragon would have to go, well, yes, I am willing to take the... If it was... That, I'm not saying she's a slag, Catherine of Aragon, because, if anything, quite the opposite. She was very... Uh, she hardly even had sex with her husband. But... Um, uh, I'm just saying, I don't want it to turn into a, you know, into an unpleasant scenario, a sort of boat that rocked scenario. I want it to be... <laughs> I want it to be a consensual... Right. How is, how is consent obtained? Well, we'd have to do some kind of... You'd whisper through, you'd go, Hello, it's me, Alexis Sale. <laughs> Maybe you could put through a... Yeah. Like a... a, a, a <laughs> rolled up copy of your book or something. So yeah. they could read that. Oh, yeah, I like he's an interesting guy. I like yeah. a, I'd like to have sex with his disembodied penis <laughs> from the past or future. Yeah. That's, that's how I imagine this would work. And then you would put your penis through and... You could have sex with it. Well, who would you? Who would you have sex with? In no circumstances. It's not exactly the same question as which historical figure would you have sex with, because there is this thing where it's just your disembodied penis. And the way you're looking at me is if this is I'm wasting, as if I'm wasting your time. <laughs> like as if you haven't been asked this before. You did, well, you did get me to a, choose a savage sex with Chris. Uh, no, with uh, Keith Allen. Keith didn't Allen. You, yeah. Last, yeah. Um, yeah, that's so um, 2013. That, 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 we've moved uh, on now. This is a very different question. Yeah. Is, there, is there anyone in history you would yeah, like yeah. to have? Anybody some, nice. Yeah, anyone nice. <laughs> Somebody nice yeah. would do. Is not Hitler. Not Hitler. <laughs> you could teach Brock. him a lesson, couldn't you? You could teach Hitler a lesson. He might like it. <laughs> Good, well, we'll get back to... Um, do you find that, like, lots of middle-aged men approach you quoting stuff from the young ones at you a lot? Revolutionary biscuits of Italy rise up out of your oxes. You have nothing to lose but your wafers. That kind of, that kind of thing. Does that happen a lot to you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the bit they usually do to you, that bit? Or there it's one bits? of them, yeah. 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 I was, um, not... <laughs> I, I, well, that's not. It's not. Young, young, I mean, I just. I was. Um, I was doing a video thing for Telegraph, uh, and uh, we were up in Hull, and um, I was just going to have my photograph taken with the train crew, you know, just as a courtesy to Hull trains. And the uh, photographer said, "Can you pull one of your funny faces?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, not really. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, no, I mean, not that. Yeah, people, yeah. I mean, but often it's also, they're not necessarily, you know, a lot of them are, ki you know, kids and yeah. stuff that they're, that they're, you know, they're uh, young people that they're, um, you know, their parents or grandparents have, uh, you know, turned them on to 
the young ones. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, there's not necessarily a, an age thing no. to it. You know, I mean, when I was doing, you know, when I did stand up um, uh, last year, you know, most the majority of the which was very gratifying, the majority of the audience were under. 35, you know, I, was, I don't know what the fuck they were doing there. I, don't know what, I thought maybe I was on like the GCSE syllabus or something. You know, like, um, uh, so, no, that was very gratifying, really, because I mean, the thing that I, I wouldn't do it if I thought that I just appealed to, uh, you know, my own kind of demographic, really. You know, so, yeah. You know, but you're saying, I think, that with the, the young ones kind of broke you through into sort of mainstream in a way that if maybe that hadn't happened I mean because it was it was always a weird thing because you were basically did your own bit in the young ones mainly didn't you you yeah. mainly kind of yeah. cut to you and yeah. you did a, a routine basically yeah but I think it was I mean it's hard to know really but I think that the, yeah I'd done some telly beforehand I mean mainly this the late night thing called OTT which had been a bit of a controversial kind of uh, I think I felt that I needed to be in something with people, yeah, you know, with like-minded people yeah, that, yeah. that appeal to the you know the, the the youth audience, you know, to our audience, but also that got a kind of you know that was highly regarded critically. Which young ones wasn't at first, but gradually it was, you know. But uh, obviously, the the young ones was also you know was a highly you know was an extraordinary intelligent piece of uh, of writing, you know. So a wonderful. I mean, regardless of whether I'm in it or not, it's a you know, a, a, you know, a, a fantastic uh, piece of work. I think. I think, but also it goes back to there being nothing like that before. So as a, as a whatever I was, fourteen or fifteen year old school kid, seeing seeing this stuff coming in, and you would wait yeah. years for something to come on for you on TV. It would be like three years since not that I can't use or four years, yeah. and there'd be no other program for young people, and then this would come on, yeah. and so it was mind blowing for. I think it must have been. Yeah, I mean, I think for. I think yeah, if you were like yeah, if you were. If you were you, which I was, you were, you were, which you did a great job <laughs> I of. I mean, you did a wonderful. <laughs> I imagine you were fantastic at that. But um, I imagine, yeah, it must have been the most thrilling thing to see the young guns because it was good, you know. I think it still stands up. It's not, you know, it's uh, it was uh, just a, it's just so dense, so full of brilliant shit. I think. Yeah. That, um, yeah. You know. I mean, it's. Uh, I think it must have been marvellous to, to see it. and, you know, and reflected the spirit of the age and stuff, you know. And also, you know, that thing, I mean, it was like the, you know, the BBC, that, so some of them, you know, some of them episodes went on for like 35 minutes, you know, and there'd, there'd be like, you know, the invasion of the Ukraine or something, they just pushed the news back because, you know, the young ones was running, you know, just, ah, whatever, you can make it about days, you know. Like everything now has to be 29.73, yeah. you know, seconds, you know. It was it was good. It was a happy time. Was the, the world yeah. was a better place back yeah. in the nine eighties? Uh, apart from you know the Peter information exchange. Apart from that, it was much better. And well, you talked about OTT because that was an interesting one as well. Because I think the other comedy show that really probably first blew my mind was Tiz was, which was an OTT was the sort yeah. of adult version of that. But yeah. it was it was. Slightly misjudged, probably, in that the, the kind of beauty of Tiz was was that it was an adult show, but kid, but it was a kid yeah, show. Yeah, well, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was t yeah, it was adults just being horrible to kids, really. You know, in the guise of <laughs> yeah. a, a kids show, so you were in on the joke, but you know, the viewer, the the adult viewer was in on the joke, whereas with OTT, the, there was no joke to be in on, no. as it were, and it was also it was very, it was very, you know. The, I remember like the show used to go out on the Saturday and they'd start sort of thinking about sketches for that week's show on the Friday. <laughs> so it was very, uh, 
It was very laid back. And I will, I, you know, it, it was there. I mean, Chris Tarrant's taste and um, all the other people, Bob Carroll, G's and Spit the Dog, they, they were, um, well, Spit the Dog liked me, but Carol G's didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that they, you know, I, you know, they soon developed a rift. You know, I, I yeah. refused. I was supposed to be one of the players, I was supposed to be in the sketches, but it was so bad, I just said, I'm not fucking being in any of these sketches. Yeah. You know? So that was a, a point of tension, you know, and so I'd just come on, do my bit, and also it was very, it was live, and, you know, I didn't think, I mean, but I, I personally was, that year's ITV, the report of the commission that oversaw ITV, yeah. you know, the, the kind of sup, the supervisory body, uh, the ICC or whatever it was specifically mentioned me right. and some of the stuff I'd said as being a kind of low point in television that right. year a kind of regulatory nightmare yeah and uh, you know I, I, I think I did probably cause a lot I mean I caused uh, Chris a lot of grief just with some of the stuff I improvised right you know. um, it wasn't it didn't, doesn't seem like a natural marriage between no, I mean, yeah. I shouldn't have done it, really. And that's one of the things where you don't know... Well, I was so desperate to be on the telly that I, I kind of, um, you know, kind of accepted it, but suspecting that it really wasn't the right thing for me to be in. And now, I mean, that's one of the things, I mean, younger comics, now, you know, they judge things better, don't they? They say, no, I'll wait until... Yeah, well, sometimes. I mean, I think, you know, there's an element where I think people should just have a crack and do stuff. I think you can get... You can be... You can be too choosy as well, and you can be too like, oh, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that. That's what about yeah. being... I don't think comedians should really have to be cool, really, because they're not, I they're comedians. So I, <laughs> I suppose I just felt that I depended on a kind of... Um, a critic, you know, a, a certain kind of um, status, you know, and a, yeah. a not... So, you know, and, and if I did something that was too demeaning, then that would... Yeah. Uh, no. That would destroy... You know, because you know, when it wasn't quite... You know, it was, I wasn't there yet, you know, I wasn't quite a star, and so I worried terribly that I would do something that, um, you know, that would destroy uh, my status, and I'd never... Yeah. There, well, yeah. It was. I mean, I think you're right. It wasn't. The, I mean, you, you you left it, didn't you? So I think that was the right choice. Yeah. All I remember is because I, I was 14 or 13, whatever the time was, naked girls sort of getting up on tables and jumping around. Yeah. Which, it was a lot. But they did the. the um, so I was distracted away hit. from your bits by yeah. that. <laughs> well, the big hit on the opening night was Malcolm Hardy in the Greatest Show, and like, oh, they right, the, yeah. did the balloon dance, you know. Um, and again, you, saw, you know, did naked, you know, you saw their cocks. <laughs> That was a bit my mother said was best. That's the bit she liked the best. Malcolm Hardy's cock. Yeah, a familiar sight again. <laughs> He's another one to add to that list, wasn't he, really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, so isn't it weird how alcoholics choose to live on houseboats? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of alcoholics. That, if you're an alcoholic, you think, I'm a heavy drinker. To get home, I'm going to cross a rickety bridge. <laughs> Over mud flats that will suck me under until I, you know, till I, you know, no matter how much I struggle, I will yeah. drown. That's that's the fucking gaff for me, isn't it? That's that's where I'm going to live, and that's what Malcolm did when yeah. he drowned. He did. Know? Well, you sort of wonder whether that was part of the plan because I don't think I don't think he would be. I don't think he would have enjoyed being old, you know. Now, when I read the autopsy report, or it was on Wikipedia, I think, but they said the police report said he was found with a bottle of beer clutched in his hand, yeah. face down in the mud like that with a bottle, you know. 
the beer was more important. I'm yeah, not, I'm yeah, not he probably, he probably could have swum. Yeah, he probably could have got free, but he wouldn't let go of the beer. Got to keep his <laughs> keep his thumb in the top to make sure no somebody, water. Somebody said as well. I don't know if it's apocryphal <laughs> that he'd won really big on the one arm bandit that night. So right. his, his pockets were full of change. <laughs> <laughs> We're laughing uh, affectionately <laughs> at the death of a man. Uh, so, <laughs> but yeah, it's all part of the legend. It does become yeah, part of the legend. Yeah, he was yeah. a legendary guy. Um, and let, tell me about, I'm interested in your last gig in 1996. You were in Perth. Yeah. And you decided to give up doing stand-up comedy in Perth. Which is, <laughs> un, in, this is the Australian Perth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I'm, is possibly understandable, but do you remember much about that day? No, I, I mean, I, I'd found that, I mean, I'd been very unhappy with the tour, really. That I, I toured in 95 in, in Britain, and that had sort of gone all right, really, but the tour of Australia in 96, it hadn't. I'd done a tour in maybe 90 or 92 in Australia, where it was like the only time that ever happened to me where all the gigs sold out right away and we put in extra nights like I did five nights at the state in Sydney and three nights at the concert hall in Melbourne and like five nights in Perth and stuff. And it was, I went, when I went back in 96, for whatever reason, that wasn't the case really <laughs> there. That we did all the gigs that we were booked and they were all sold out, but there was no extra, you know, it was no, for whatever reason, there, there, there wasn't a buzz there. So that was dispiriting. And also, I just reached the end of, of what I could do with that persona really. And I didn't know how to, to, to move on from it, so I was just very, you know, I was just unhappy. You know, I mean, the shows were funny and stuff, but I was just very un, unhappy with what I was doing. Really, yeah. So you know. Yeah. Well, I think it happens a lot. I mean, I guess it's the hotel rooms of being around the world. I mean, Hancock. Yeah. If we go back to another uh, hilarious comedy death, but uh, <laughs> but you know, I think you can understand it, especially if you're you know, if you're a thinker and it's depressive when you get stuck in yeah. those hotels. In and the other side of the world as well. Yeah, if the gigs not, aren't going yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, it is quite. Impressive. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that. I mean, there was a bit of that, but I mean, it wasn't. Um, it was also. I think I felt. Yeah, because the stand-up I did last year, I just loved it so much because it had a kind of. Because I was just. Be, it was anecdotal, and I was being me, and and it was complex. You know, I, I, I felt happy with the material where there was always an element towards the end of what I was doing before in the tight suit and all that it was kind of grotesque you know there was a kind of um, I was doing bits sort of to get laughs really you know yeah. a bit I mean not. I mean it's still an making it to, it's an awful thing for a comedian to do to, to get <laughs> do not well, go still for in a, in a <laughs> still in a way that you know still while doing you know material about Bertolt Brecht and stuff like that so it wasn't like I was really pandering to the audience but I just felt that there wasn't a kind of I was just itching to really do material that was much more complicated really and I, I knew I couldn't do that I thought I couldn't do that via stand-up comedy right and that's kind of interesting I think it's also interesting to have them you know you obviously didn't do stand-up for a long time and now you've come back to it but I think you know in a sense having that Fallow time, and it happened. Sort of, Stuart had it to an extent where he, did, he sort of gave up doing stand up for two or three years, yeah, and then yeah. and then came back to it. And in a way, to have not necessarily a failure, but you, you, I think you're looking at the people you worked with, and they've gone on to do you know different things and become yeah. sort of successful uh, in their own right. And then it's kind of dispiriting. But actually, to become good as a artist, as a comedic artist, you sort of need the failure or to regroup a little bit perhaps uh, definitely yeah no I mean I don't um, 
Well, you know, I, was, I became an author, really, after a few years of sort of thrashing about. My first um, you know, selection of short stories came out in about, I think, 99. And, you know, I was, I was entranced with you know, being an author for a good 12 years. And so, so slowly that I went back to stand-up. But, um, yeah, no, in, I mean, I don't know. Some people can keep doing it and evolve, you know. But through doing book readings, I'd found a whole new way to do stand-up. And it was... Um, you know, it was just something that I um, I was just terribly happy with. You know, when I went back to it, really. But yeah, you, I don't know. I mean, you don't. I mean, it's it, it doesn't do any any harm to have that. Yeah, that that kind of those dips in your career. And really. also, I think if you don't experience failure, though, and if everything, it sort of you turn into. Uh, I think for, for for me, what that's what's happened to Ben Elton. He hasn't experienced failure. He's been able to do everything he ever wanted to do. Yeah. And then you just don't move. You don't grow as an as an artist. And then you suddenly yeah. do something. People go, Oh no, that's that's just terrible. So yeah, you know, and I think, certainly experiencing it now. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure you're not delighted about. <laughs> but uh, but no, but I think that is you know you get to the point where everyone's saying yes yeah, to you, yes, yeah. yes, yes, and do this, do this, do this, and 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 actually you've got to be knock back and go, oh, so actually I have to, I can't just put the first draft of this sitcom in and put that out, I have to go back and write a second draft, wow. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, I think the, to be knocked back probably helps you. Uh, I st- well, I, mean, I, I think you're making a virtue of that, aren't you? you no, yeah, well, for myself. Your own stuttering uh, yeah, yeah. career. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're trying, <laughs> you're trying to, you're trying to say, have, yeah, it's better to be like I, this. I haven't, had be, the, I haven't gone up again, though, I've just kind of gone yeah, down. You, you, well, no, it's, it's bumping, we're, bumping we're, along bumping, the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm yeah, yeah. Um, it, I don't know. It's. It, I wouldn't. I, I don't know. If, I mean, it's. A, I mean, it's an interesting analysis of what went what went wrong with Ben, and that's, that's probably true. Yeah. I mean. I, I mean, for me, you know, a lot of the stuff I did was, you know, that I tried to do was so hard or so stupid that, yeah, it was never going to succeed, really. Or you know. Um, uh, so I, I was always going to experience a lot of failure, you know. I mean, I say that, that I only ever had that one tour where, yeah, in Australia, where everything sold out. I never had that. Even when at the height of my height in in uh, in Britain, you know, there was always like we were talking backstage. You know, there was always a couple of gigs that yeah. didn't sell out. You know, where you'd have to go on fucking radio. So, you know, you'd have to go, you know, go up to fucking Bournemouth a day early <laughs> to do local radio to try and sell the seats you know and I, which is something I hated so I never really had, I don't really think I had that experience of kind of unfettered um, success ever more or no. less really you know but then I think you're also quite hard on yourself I and mean, I think you know it's it's both wanting to be a, you know do the best you can be as a comedian and be an amazing comedian but also there is all part of every comedian I think that still wants to be loved and, and successful and yeah. so there's there's an odd kind of dichotomy there that you're you're almost fighting internally between yeah, yourself it feels yeah like. yeah yeah I did yeah well I was I did I did make it I mean it was very uncompromising my show I would you know if I felt things were getting too cosy I would sort of Turn on the audience and so on, and um, so it wasn't, you know, <laughs> wasn't easy. <laughs> but you are also doing like, you know, you were major move in major movies and acting and yeah. Indiana Jones, you in Gorky yeah. Park. Yeah, yeah, my first one. Yeah, but I'm never in one that like really, you know. I mean, I mean, apart from the Indiana Jones, I was never really. Yeah, Indiana in one. Jones did all right. That was okay. That was okay. <laughs> but I was only like a tiny part in that. I never yeah. really had that as an actor. I never really quite. 
you know, got that great role already, you know. No. To win. But there's a lot, I just feel we're acting, there's so much luck in it, in A, in getting cast, but B, in the thing becoming successful. And then if the thing is successful, you're sort of made and people will employ yeah. you forever on the basis of, of something that someone else wrote anyway. It's an odd, it's an odd job. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I just, it might have been nice if I'd, you know, if I'd had that. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it's, you know. There's I, still time. Yeah, yeah, who knows, yeah. My, Carry yeah. on Columbus was close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My episode of New Tricks that I did in 2012, that might win a kind of uh, uh, special BAFTA for something. So apparently uh, you see certain, I mean you, you did a recent interview where you talked uh, quite uh, candidly about the comedians you like and the comedians you don't like. Yeah. But luckily I, I just nipped into what you call your comedy children. Yeah. Uh, that you, I had to do a bit of... Um, Bit of uh, apologetic emailing. After that, you know? <laughs> yeah. I sometimes think, with like doing those, like that, that was at the Leicester Comedy Festival. Yeah. You sometimes think you forget these days that you know it's not just the people in the room no, who are watching. You know, it's everything goes everywhere. You know, so um, yeah. feel free to slag anyone else off that you like. <laughs> uh, can if you are my comedy dad, though, can you send me some money on my birthday? <laughs> no, I'll send in you an cup. educational present. <laughs> So it's good for you. That would be good. That's the other thing about you sometimes forget when you're doing stuff like this or like that talk at the Leicester Comedy Festival is that people expect you expect you to kind of listen to yourself <laughs> and to sort of believe what you say. Yeah. Which is never as particularly in terms of having opinions, I've always just, you know, just kind of said stuff really with um that. Have I never, never snagged you off, you and Stuart? I don't, no, I don't. You might have done. I don't think you have actually. I think we, we didn't really make enough of an impact no, to be snagged no. off. And then by the time you yeah. heard of us, we were doing, you know, quite good stuff. So yeah, yeah. If you'd been more successful in yeah. your early days, I would, <laughs> I would have said something <laughs> shitty about you. It's, uh, I, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I quite like it. I mean, I don't mind. You know, I quite like people who've been horrible about me. Yeah. I rather like that. Um, you know, I, I, I sort of respect them for that. I really. think to get any reaction is a good thing. I mean, I, you can understand if you, if if a respected comedy figure blames you for the entire downfall <laughs> of comedy. But I do. When I, I was being interviewed for a podcast yesterday, and because they, it's like this, they go on so long, you just sort of start saying something, and then you go. But on the other hand, I totally disagree with yeah, what I've just yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so sometimes they, <laughs> it's something you you sort of believed like in 1997, <laughs> yeah. but you've you, you don't believe it anymore. But you've forgotten that you don't believe it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so you just find yourself saying it. Yeah. Okay, I'll go for an emergency question. I don't know if I asked you this one before. If I did, we'll just gloss over it. Alexi said, oh, this is terrible that I have to ask this question. I don't have to, but I'm going to. You are one of my comedy heroes. Have you ever tried to suck your own cock? No. Well, you must have done. No. I I'm not that, you know, I know I'm not that limber. That <laughs> Even is it possible? Is there's, there's it footage is, well, of Michael Flatley doing it, isn't it? Apparently? Michael Flatley, is supposed, allegedly. allegedly we, yeah. You're going to have to email Michael Flatley. Uh, in the yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I said you could say that. I think there is a picture of him somewhere. Uh, doing, if you, I, if you I knew looking. it was never possible. Really. I think it is, it is possible. In fact, it is possible. I may have mentioned this before in this podcast. I have fuck apologies if I do. Uh, but this, I, I did a whole a book about penises and a show about penises. And in my research, I discovered it's possible for certain people to get a semi-erection that they can stretch around right. and have anal sex with themselves. Really? <laughs> it's a beautiful act of love. <laughs> Self-love. Uh, there, was, there was a story about a man in a Russian 
yeah, prison, you know, like a like a, like you've been there, and then he was obviously a bit crazy. Yeah. And he sat all day. Well, I mean, if you could, you, maybe you would. <laughs> David, do you think no? David doesn't seem to think so. Uh, you know, you, you'd be something past the time. If you were in, to do, if yeah. you were in a yeah. Russian prisoner of war camp yeah. or gulag or whatever, then you, yeah. you know, it would pass the time, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. So true. it is possible to do. It is possible, but I, you know, when you're a, when you're a younger man doing, you know, you you're a limber younger man. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to try it now. Okay. I'll ask you another emergency question because I need one after that emergency question. <laughs> um, have you ever seen a ghost? Have I ever seen a ghost? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't really believe in them. So, I mean... No. Uh, Doesn't mean you, have to, you don't have to believe in it to see it. Uh, you can still give the... Well, I don't know then, do I? Really? <laughs> I don't, I've never seen nothing that seemed like a ghost. Yeah. I've never had any kind of... Paranormal experiences whatsoever, no, nothing. Have you ever seen a Bigfoot? No. No. <laughs> you know, it was, we were taking a chance with that. Uh, so, um, I'll tell you what I was going to ask. What's the, um, what is, these have got a couple of um, uh, stand-up based uh, questions. Yeah. What is your worst, have you got a worst hotel travelling experience and touring in a hotel, bed and breakfast or wherever you stayed? Was travelling. I um, not that well. I was just I was thinking about this the other day that I used to because I, I had like a little one point. I had a little band called Studio Two do do the support and do my music. And um, I used to stay in the hotel Swank de Posh, and I used to uh, put them where the all the dolies went. You know, <laughs> they used to stay in like the B and B where all the yeah all the claimants went. Right. So they had some pretty terrible experiences. Plus you were in your big <laughs> yeah, well, palatial. I was, I was eating consomme. Because <laughs> <laughs> we stayed in some pretty terrible... Me, me and Stu once stayed in a bed and breakfast where we had to share a room and we had twin beds with pink covers on yeah. and a little canopy going between the two. Oh. It was very sweet. I wish we'd taken a photo of that. And recently I stayed in a, in a travel lodge uh, when I went into a room and there was some, someone else's bogey on the shower curtain. <laughs> Oh yeah, I um, that's yeah, pretty no, nasty. We, when I, when I um, early days, I played um, Dublin with Alternative Cabaret, and Lin, Linda had, had um, uh, got an Irish. She paid fifty p to find out an Irish tourist board recommended hotel, right. which was this place called the Adelphi. And, and uh, remember the bloke showing us up the stairs, and there was no bulb. There was a broken fish tank in the lobby and there, there was no bulb on the stairs and we just showed into this horrible room and I noticed there was writing kind of carved into the wardrobe and it said, it's, you know, the, you know it's obviously the, out, the chalk outline of a body on the floor. You know. um, it, said, it said on the wardrobe, it said, if you think the room's bad, wait until you have the breakfast. <laughs> Oh dear. Once when I was in Swansea, I've said, I've said they've definitely said this before, the toilet was in the same room as the as the bed. It was it was like in a there was obviously like a, there used to be a cupboard. Oh right, yeah. But it wasn't big enough to fit a toilet in, so and there was no door in it. Yeah. So the toilet was just in a very slight alcove. Uh. Just so you were here and just I didn't stay in that. I, no. I got a lift home. Yeah. <laughs> Went back to London. Oh dear, happy days. Uh, and the thing I enjoyed you saying in your recent interview was uh, that uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is a wonderful actor, but if my cat had had the facilities he had at Eton, my cat could be in Sherlock. Yeah. Was <laughs> yeah. pointed out he went to Harrow, but it's, <laughs> it's still it's all the subsequently. Same. But yeah, no, it, I mean it is. You know, it's a yeah because I was reading you know some. Um, 
interview with Rafe Fiennes, you know, somebody was saying to him about, uh, you know, all the posh actors. He's going, oh, you know, classes, the curse of Britain, you know, you, if you're a good actor, you're going to work. I mean, fuck off. I mean, it's not, you know, at Eton, they have their own studio theatre, they have a seamstress, they have, you know, permanent director. And so, they're, you know, they have bought, I mean, but, you know, I mean, they are all fine actors, Tom Hiddleston, you know, uh, Damien West, uh, Dominic West, Damien Lewis, you know, all those people, they are very, very good actors, but they are, they are taking somebody else, you know, they are, they would, they would have done something else, you know, years ago, they wouldn't yeah. have gone into acting, they would have gone into the city or whatever. They are taking the, they are taking the roles of, 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 of working class well and also actors. they can afford because I think it's harder harder ever, ever harder to get into these both comedy and acting now because there's a yeah. lot of stuff to get through so if you don't have uh, you know they've got an income that they can survive on yeah. and just go yeah. well, I'll go and live with my mum and dad while I'm doing yeah. this but you know yeah. if you come, when I moved to London we could hire a you know rent out a house and pay 50 quid a week and just about survive on that yeah. but now you'd have to live Outside of London, right. basically, on, on what we were earning back then, and, yeah, and, and so you don't get, you don't, you know, if you're rich, you can. Yeah, and it's uh, just, ride you know, song. it's just terribly unfair. I mean, you know, I mean, if you've got all those advantages, then you know you are going to use them, and that. But don't pretend it's not, you know, it's not an injustice because it is, you know. And it also, I think it does, you know, said it, it skews the narrative. You have if the people from a very narrow socio-economic band are telling our stories back to us then it, it kind of you know, there's a whole the, the the majority of experience and most people is is excluded from that really you know yeah. in terms of you know uh, it's just it's just right i mean it's just it's just unjust you know yeah well and what i love about comedy and stand-up comedy if it works is that it doesn't matter what background you've come yeah, from yeah, you've got yeah. to be able to make people laugh and I, and I love that when you're in a, a room full of guys and you go oh you did this you did this you did this yeah. but it is increasingly becoming and you were at this university and you were right. at this university yeah. which I suppose is partly because more people go to university but it's also it seems a shame that, that there isn't that variety, but what, what, how do we address that? I don't know, it's difficult because, you know, that, you know, I say that, you know, people, I think people's parents now, they you know, they think, it, you know, it's an okay job to be a comedian now, and you see you're getting your Jack Whitehalls and your Miranda Arts and stuff like that, and you're getting all these posh actors because it's okay, it's what they want to do now, and they, they push aside, you know, people with less uh, resources, I don't know, it's not, you know, you can't have quotas or, um, I don't know what you can do about it really apart from go on you know there's that there's that you know there's that scene in I always love that scene in The Sopranos where Carmela goes to see this old kind of old fashioned Jewish um, psychiatrist and she tells him right away what her husband does Tony Soprano does and he says well you must leave him and she says well well you know makes excuses and he says no he gives her her money back and he says you know just you know, stay with him if you want, but don't pretend you weren't told, you know? Don't pretend you didn't know. And it's the same with, all you can do is say this stuff is unfair, you know, the, <laughs> the kind of class, but, you know, the, the nature of how all the actors now are. Yeah. I've been to Eaton O'Hara, you know. And more than that, I don't know what you do about it, really. Yeah. I can't suggest policy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, the Conservatives are shutting down drama in schools. I think they're, they're yeah, so, talking about yeah, getting rid of the yeah. drama O level. And so. Maybe, I don't know, maybe, you know, 
we have to ask you to go into engineering or something, something more sensible, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, fine that's in a, a way. good point. Yeah. And most British drama is just really posh people in old houses, so maybe it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's yeah. good that the posh just yeah. get to play themselves. <laughs> oh, dear, well, that's depressing. Uh, so, um, we'll, we'll wrap it up. So, you, you've been in Doctor Who? Yeah. Which, when, in Revelation when, of the Daleks, 1987, which, I was the... Which uh, Doctor... Uh, the best doctor, I think, uh, Colin Baker. <laughs> Colin Baker. Um, really, the definitive. You know, Peter Capaldi is a very, is a very, very good friend of mine, and I, I was telling him that you know, the, the, the Colin Baker is definitely the the um, the best doctor, really. Uh, for a long time, I was. Um, uh, I was the last person killed by a Dalek. <laughs> <laughs> But he said, I think some of the same people are still playing the Daleks now <laughs> as where when I did it in 1987. Because they're all sort of ex-dancers. Right. For some reason, the BBC thought when they had these... They just, they just move them around with their feet, you know. <laughs> we need dancers to do this. They were young when they hired them in the, you know, when they, for the Daleks first yeah. appeared. They were like 20-year-old boys from the chorus. <laughs> and now they're in their 70s or whatever, but they're still kind of... They're the same guys. <laughs> Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I did my, I did an audio Doctor Who mentioned Colin Baker was the Doctor. I, oh, right, okay. but then I insulted him because I made I made a joke about in one of my newspaper columns about him. He take he takes things very very Does seriously. He? Yeah, I talked about. I, I mean, I made some joke about him being not the best Doctor Who. And you had to do well, you, it was you, very did light. Did you have to apologise? I, to I, him, I, I, I tweeted him said, "Look, I'm a massive. I know I, do, yeah. I work with you, and actually we uh, we were a big fan. And we put him in uh, Time Gentleman, please. The thing I wrote the sitcom I wrote." And he came in and did a cut, and I was saying, "Look, you know, we are." I was only joking. It's a big thing. No, that's another person I have to cut off and never really? speak to again. Yeah. <sighs> Cunt. So um, <laughs> <laughs> you can't bear grudges, can you, Alexi? I don't. No, no I don't. I, mean, can't. I can't. I don't think I do. <laughs> well, look, it's been absolutely fantastic for you to do this and meet you again. Thank you for coming when you haven't been. When you're a little bit ill, ladies and gentlemen, Alexi Sale. <laughs> Alexi Sale, unbelievable. Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Alexi Sale. What the fuck? Uh, the music you're listening to was recorded by Pest. They are a good band. Thanks to Orange Mark at the British Comedy Guide and everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre and Chris Evans. Not that one, or the one from the Avengers, or that bloke from your school. No, the one from Wales. It was produced by Ben Walker. It's a fuzz, go faster, stripe, and sky potato production. Thanks for listening to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. That was me doing it. It was good, wasn't it? I don't know yet, because I've recorded this before we did it. It might have been terrible. I probably wasn't, though. Uh, I, in fact, I think it's definitely the best one we've ever done. Uh, if you would uh, like to contribute, do go to gofasterstripe.com. Uh, where you can buy series passes of this and all the other video series we've done. You can just make a contribution. You can make a monthly contribution. You can download Richard Herring's Meaning of Life. Why not give that a go? That's uh, a longer version. It's, it's, uh, it's available from Go Faster Stripe. It's free online, uh, but then you can get an extra 45 minutes if you're willing to pay. Or come and see me on tour, richardherring.com. We're all going to die as my current tour. Depends when you're listening to this, though. You know, for a couple of years in the future... Uh, hello, what's it like? Oh, have you got hoverboards yet? I might be dead. Oh, my new tour is amazing. Uh, so, and I'm in the Edinburgh Fringe doing uh, two shows. One of them's called Lord of the Dance Seti. One of them's called I Killed Rasputin. So uh, check those out if you're at the Edinburgh Fringe 2014. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>